to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. New York City, with a population of approximately 8.3 million people, has been facing a major housing crisis due to high demand, short supply, and rising costs. Housing issues are always in the news, and they can be quite complicated, and it's why we've asked Altagracia Pierre Outerbridge to join us on the show again today. She is the founder and owner of the law firm Outerbridge Law PC, and her practice is focused on landlord-tenant litigation and transactional matters. Because these issues affect many of our listeners, later in the show we'll be happy to take your calls. Our call number is 212 212- Two zero nine two eight seven seven. Write it down. Two one two two zero nine twenty eight seven seven. Hello, Altagracia. Welcome back to our show. Thank you, Leonard, for having me. Always glad to be here. Well, let's begin with the problems with e-bikes and scooters. Haven't their batteries proved to be a problem? Absolutely. Many, many people have, have died. At least thirty-eight were injured in wow. a fire last year in Manhattan. Um, the batteries have um, have been an issue and continue to be an issue in causing fires, Leonard. Well, their batteries are, are made with lithium, which allows them to be very light compared to lead-acid batteries. But although lead is poisoning, isn't lithium combustible and flammable when it's exposed to air? It's exposed to air or water. So if the seal breaks in the battery, it can explode? Absolutely. And that has, that has happened many, many times. And the city has sought to curtail the FDNY. Uh, with the council of the FDNY, the city has sought to curtail this problem and prevent more deaths. There was a fire in an e-bike shop in June and a change reaction from bike to bike there. The smoke killed four people living above the store. So it isn't just where the bike is, but people in proximity? Absolutely. Entire apartment buildings have been forced to vacate in multiple boroughs, right, due to these um, e-bikes, batteries catching fire. Wow. So hasn't the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission gotten involved and may act, although there doesn't seem to be any indication yet of how? No real indication yet. However, local... um, Local um, enforcement, local council members, local legislators have t- um, sought to take actions. Action. Individual landlords have sought to take action. I'm happy to talk to you more about that, Leonard. Okay. Well, tell, talk more about it. Okay. So we have NYCHA. NYCHA last year proposed a rule. NYCHA being a public organization is subject to rulemaking before it, it creates a rule. Proposed a rule that e-bikes were banned. Um, folks in NYCHA and NYCHA advocates push back against that, saying that a lot of the tenants, um, many tenants in NYCHA are delivery uh, people and they need the e-bikes to make a living. So NYCHA backed off. So that's one of the largest landlords in New York City. Mm-hmm. NYCHA has, um, that's the New York City Housing Authority, has 170,000, over 170,000 units. Um, NYCHA backed off. So the rule now that is um, subject to public comment is one e-bike per home in the NYCHA apartment. So have there been a lot of fires in the NYCHA buildings around town? I know there have been other issues with NYCHA. Absolutely. That's NYCHA new- has been plagued with fires. Go ahead. Oh, that, uh, we should say NYCHA is New York uh, City Housing Authority. And that, that they're responsible for what we call the projects? 
Yes, we call it public housing. Yes, that's correct. That was the old name for it. Uh, we call it um, project-based housing or public housing. Um, but I, yes, when I grew up, it was the projects. He lives <laughs> in the projects. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Uh, yeah, I'm just telling you the legal the legal mm. way that we refer to it. I still we would refer to it that way too. But um, in my practice, we say um, um, project-based Section 8, right? Um or public housing, that's really because there are many different types of public housing, um, right? Literally hundreds of types of public housing. So when you say um, when you say NYCHA or public housing, folks know what it is. And sometimes you have to get into the nitty gritty as what type of NYCHA is NYCHA with another company? Is NYCHA alone, right? What type of subsidy, uh, et cetera. So it can get in the nitty gritty as to um, what is public housing, and I used to live next door to a major figure in NYCHA, and uh, uh, she was constantly under attack. She was a very unhappy oh, person. <laughs> I would imagine NYCHA has been always been on, I mean, for cause, right? For cause. Um, they work hard, but they also have a lot um, in terms of adjudication, maintaining these buildings with budget. But in terms of your question as to the fires, uh, there have been 228 fires through October wow. of 2020, yes, in NYCHA only, mm-hmm. right? So in 2019, it was 30 mm-hmm. fires. In um, 20, uh, in 20, in 2019, it was 30 fires. And um, as of 2023, it's up to 228 this year. Wow. Well, New York City passed a law earlier this year that requires testing and certification of bikes that are rented or sold. And doesn't it also forbid tampering with batteries and selling refurbished ones with cells from used batteries? Absolutely. Um, none of this is allowed. It has to be certified, right? You can't reuse a battery. You can't put new cells in a battery. You should not be using um, an extension cord to charge your battery. Uh, it's also proposed that an adult be awake uh, while the battery is charging, that folks are not sleeping, Um Right, that there is an adult, and that the batteries charge near the door. Uh, okay, well, um, have we seen much compliance? Well, considering yeah, considering the fact that there have been so many, so many fires, still, there is not much. It's very hard to get folks to comply inside of their home, right? If it's in the public area where it's banned in NYCHA, it's banned. It's it's banned in every public area of every building, right? That's not quite mm-hmm. going to happen. We've actually had clients come to us and say, hey, um, immediately after that river court fire on East 52nd in Manhattan, uh, many tenants received notices saying you can no longer keep your e-bike or scooter. So there was a flood of calls then. Some landlords have backed off. Um, others are suing their tenants, right, saying that they have broken rules, right? They are creating hazards. So those are nuisance cases in housing court. So... New York has passed a law that will provide free or low-cost replacement with certified batteries, but that doesn't go into effect until January? That's correct. That's correct. And it's it's really um, a lot of these laws are meant to help people not punish them. This way they actually comply. So it looks like we're using everything, right? Again, in terms of enforcement, private landlords are seeking to enforce by issuing notices saying you can no longer do this or that. And sometimes that's where I get involved, where people, we had a specific case where um, someone was using an e-bag to get back and forth to work and he received that notice. Um, So sometimes folks are saying, I am careful. I should not be punished. If you're trying to punish me 
for something that I contracted for in the lease, i.e. when I became a tenant, it was allowed so you cannot change your terms midway. Um, some tenants come to us with those concerns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're talking about enforcement, there are many legal things that can be done, both in the landlord enforcing and the tenant's attorney sometimes saying you cannot enforce in that way. You cannot issue a blanket rule. Let's actually talk about how you're going to enforce this. But enforcement is happening. The legislators are looking to enforce it, uh, ways to enforce. And again, private landlords are looking for ways to enforce. And some tenants are coming back and seeking attorneys and saying, um, that should not be enforced against me. I've used it for years. I needed to get to work. And um, when I signed the lease with you, that's that. those are not the conditions we had. So you can't just change it. Well, I wish more e-bite and scooter riders would obey the traffic lights. Because <laughs> I'm crossing the street, it says walk, and then suddenly this thing comes zooming past me and I have to jump out of the way. Correct. It's very hard. It's very hard to be out there. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think that's a little bit different, but yes, I agree with you. So do you have any safety tips for e-bike and scooter owners? Um you say use approved batteries, right? Absolutely. Use approved batteries. Don't reuse your batteries. Take advantage of any giveaway that allows you to get free batteries or allows your batteries to be checked off, to be checked out. Um, in addition, if you are um, if you are using an e-bike and charging it, do not fall asleep while it's being it's being charged. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't have children in the room. Right. Um leave it next charge it next to an exit in case you have to get out right keep it away from heat all right and also never throw the batteries in with with regular trash absolutely the same yes the same conditions as in any other lithium battery uh, why does it take so long to get laws in place when we're seeing such a dramatic rise in fires in apartment buildings well, I mean, New York City is a litigious uh, city, right? But um, tenants do come to us and say, I don't, you know, people litigate against it, right? So the tenants that are in court that are facing the private enforcement by landlords, they fight, right? So um, in terms, so it's, right? So folks fight back and it's very hard to enforce something unilaterally because folks will, uh, tenants will fight back. In addition, in terms of NYCHA, there is a rulemaking period when they then when they seek to promulgate a rule, a new right, and that happens also in condos and co-ops. When they seek to promulgate a new rule, there has to be a public comment period, during which times folks who are affected right get to respond and say, "I don't like this or that about the rule," um, and the agency then has to take it into consideration as a federal agency before it promulgates the rule. So, if the feedback is negative then the agency should, right, because the agency has to make rules that are reasonable, right, as a federal agency. So the agency gets to sit back and say, is this reasonable based on all the comments that I've received? Right. right? So ultimately, it's very hard. Aren't stores that sell them required to accept them for recycling? So the stores are the ones who uh, get rid of them in a way that's safer? Or are we yes, seeing problems folks, there as well? Absolutely. I imagine um, folks think that this is not this fire is not going to happen to me, right? And then they they don't want to travel to a shop, right? The inconvenience of having to go there to a shop, right, and and dispose, right? And these shops are are not 
in close proximity, right? Um, so the inconvenience of going there may lead someone to say, I'm just going to discard of it, right? This is not going to happen to me. I've always discarded it this way. Therefore, it's not going to happen to me, right? Folks not really believing that the next time would be them, unfortunately. My guest on today's Leonard Lopate at Large is Alta Gracia Pierre Outerbridge, one of our regular contributors. And when she comes on, we take listener calls. Our number here is 212-209-2877. We'll be taking calls in a little while. Um, this is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. Uh, what is the safest place to, um, to park a, uh, an, an e-bike or a scooter, obviously away from the door. What else? Well, away from the door, not, I mean, really in your eyesight, right? Um, mm. So maybe, Leonard, um, I'm not sure where you're getting at. Maybe you can give me a little bit more. Well, you don't you want them to be in the way, that's all. And especially mm-hmm. especially if you want a, a quick egress if something's going wrong, right? And Absolutely. What, but, but you also yes, want to put them in a place where if they caught catch fire you can get them out of your apartment quickly absolutely and definitely not in the hallways right not in um don't charge them using a power um a power strip plug them directly to the outlet right use a manufacturer supplied outlet use approved batteries not refurbished ones don't charge overnight Uh, as you just said Mm -hmm. store in an open space away from combust so not in the kitchen right away from combustible combustibles Keep it away um, from heat. Yeah. Correct. Uh, and use a wall Use a wall outlet, not a power strip. Why is that? Well, because power strips can actually catch on fire and spread um, and spread rather quickly because there would be many, many appliances um, in the power strip. So the fire would spread faster is what I would imagine. Uh, what percentage of fires are caused by replacement and refurbished batteries <laughs> as opposed to original batteries? Um, so I'm not sure. That's a good question, Leonard. I'm not sure about that. Well, well, let's move on to some other issues that we want to address here. And as I said, in a little while, we'll also be taking calls from our listeners. What should people do if they've been locked out of their apartments illegally? Do the landlord-tenant laws offer protection? Absolutely. Uh, we are dealing with um, at least one case like this right now. It's getting cold. Um, it's getting cold and people are being put out of their apartments. Um, we have at least two cases that are very, very dire where folks have been evicted very aggressively, unlawfully. What should people do? If you are locked out of your apartment, i.e. the locks are changed, right, and you did not receive proper notice, an eviction in New York City, let me go back, has to be done by a marshal. And uh, the marshals are, um, they are, um, folks that are appointed, right? They are not, uh, a landlord cannot do an eviction. Landlord cannot do self-help. A marshal has to do it. Hmm. So if you've been subject to an eviction where you don't see a notice of eviction on your door or eviction um, implement, there would be a notice on your door that would say by this marshal, there would be an inventory of your belongings. It's with a, done with a court order or a warrant? Absolutely. So there would be a warrant of eviction, and you would know it's a marshal because there would be a notice on your door that would say do not enter, marshal in possession, marshal on possession, return to landlord. So it's pretty official looking. 
It also would give you inventory of what they took, the marshal took and stored. What can you do? So that would be a legal eviction. Even in that case, you have recourse. What we are looking to talk about is in cases where the landlord literally locks your door, which happens often, uh, unfortunately, in New York City. Um, what can you do? You can re- you can run to court. That is considered an emergency proceeding. You said we you should, should call 911 first? Well, folks will call 911 first. Whether the police will act, right, is up to their discretion. So, yes, call 911. I would say simultaneously, if that's possible, run to the housing court the, uh, of your borough. Mm-hmm. The housing court has late hours. Um, most of the boroughs on Thursday nights for these types of emergencies, I think they open till 7. Um, the last I heard on Thursday night for these types of emergencies, so folks don't go through the weekend being out of their apartments unlawfully. And you would file an illegal lockout proceeding, which is a form that the clerk will give you. You should be able to see the judge the same day. The judge would rule the same day or provide some ruling that would at least permit you to get medications, right, or things that you need. And there would be a court date set shortly thereafter for you to be heard as to the illegal lockout. And if you can't afford a lawyer, you should call 311? Absolutely. But I'll say that illegal lockouts, um, the court at least has a process that's streamlined. The court takes that very, very seriously for you to run to court and get that form and get before a judge. Now, um, can your landlord evict you verbally or through letters or notices? Yes. Uh, no. The answer is no. Although, you know, folks still get confused, right? Folks get threatening letters. I've had I've had landlords move in with their tenants in order to evict Ooh. them, literally walk in and live there with the tenant. Also illegal, right? Landlords, we have a case right now where the landlord turned off the electricity, right? Turning off electricity, turning off water, turning off gas in order to uh, force the tenant to vacate, turning off the heat, Um and very threatening letters and also physical violence, unfortunately, to get mm. people to feel unsafe and seek to vacate. But that is all illegal. And an illegal lockout proceeding um, would get that resolved. So you retain, if the landlord wants to get rid of you, you still retain the right to heat, hot water, electricity. And it's illegal, you say, for your utilities to be shut off to try to get you to leave or as a punishment? Absolutely. Very much illegal. In fact, it's a misdemeanor. Um, there is a law, the HSCPA, the Housing Stability and Tenant Protection Act of 2019, which uh, overhauled most of the landlord-tenant laws in, to- in June 2019, um, implemented what we call RPAPL, Real Property in Actions, Real Property, the RPAPL 768, which makes an unlawful eviction a, mis- a Class A misdemeanor, and it carries a fine. And if you look at 768, it actually tells the police how it's supposed to behave in an eviction. I'm happy to go over that if you wish. Well, first of all, we were getting back to what we were talking about earlier. Can a landlord tell you that you can't keep an e-bike or a a scooter in your apartment? They certainly do try, right? Mm -hmm. And the tenants that, that tenants fight, they certainly do try. They will issue a notice. Right. Many landlords in large buildings have issued notices shortly after the river court fire saying that, you know, you are no longer we can get into the nitty-gritty, but you are no longer allowed to keep these e-bikes. Mm. And what happens is some tenants go into motion and fight um, 
fight uh, preemptively, i.e. bring court cases to say, no, that's not going to happen. I need my e-bike. Sometimes the landlord will strike, the tenant will fight back. The landlords usually rely on a provision of most leases. I would say 99% of leases will say that you will follow all rules and regulations. So the landlord changing the rules would then be implemented into your lease. Of course, a tenant attorney, if the tenant is saying that this is an unwarranted change in rule, can fight and say that my lease didn't say that you have changed the terms of my lease improperly. And if you seek to do that, I need a reduction in rent or some other type of compensation, but you cannot change your terms midway. How does HPD, the Housing Preservation Development, come into this story? So that's interesting. HPD has very, very broad powers to implement laws and rules, right? So if something is a fire hazard, it always is up to the inspector to, to determine Right. If the inspector comes in and decides it's a fire hazard, then the inspector would issue a violation against the landlord for permitting the tenant to keep that fire hazard. Right. And there there would be fines. Right. And the landlord would then go after the tenant for a violation of the lease. But it's very much based on what the inspector at the time views as a violation. Are you seeing that new e-bikes and scooters are safer and less combustible than the older ones? Uh, I actually am not sure of the answer to that. I, I know that um, I know that the fires have gone up, so I'm actually not sure, uh, Leonard, as mm. to that answer. Well, let's talk about some of the other issues. Uh, uh, you you have ten topics that you find online trending in regard to New York City landlord tenant matters. Uh, I'm sure our listeners will add a few more when they call in at two one two. Two zero nine two eight seven seven, but the the first one you list is rent increases. These are rent increases that just come from out of the blue. Yes, and yes, and no. So if the there are about nine hundred thousand, about a million uh, rent regulated apartments in New York City. We talked about that last time. The rent guidelines board issued in June. The RGB, the rent uh, guidelines board increases. So those are regulated at three percent for one year lease, right? And a, a two point seven um two point seven five percent for two year lease bifurcated, right? Two point seven five for the first year and three point two for the second year. If your apartment doesn't fall into those nine hundred thousand apartments, mm. then you're dealing with a market rate apartment, which has the potential for unlimited increases. So folks come to us, believe it or not, with a hundred percent increase request from the landlord. Um and if they are not rent regulated or cannot be brought back under rent regulation, then that is a proper increase, unfortunately. So that's something we hear about every day. The landlord increasing the rent by seeking to increase by 50 percent, 60 percent. So that's very much trending right now. You mentioned complaints about heating now that it's getting cold. But what about when it gets too hot? Do people also complain about that? They do, although the landlord doesn't have to give you um, AC, right? So then the complaint would be really lack of ventilation, right? Or some type of um, improper ventilation as opposed to it's too, it's too hot because the landlord does not have to um, give you an AC. If, however, the AC was in the apartment at the time you took occupancy, then that is part of your lease and that would be a proper complaint. Let's take uh, a call. 
The number again, 212-209-2877. WBAI, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Speak to Altagracia. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm talking about the e-bikes. Shouldn't they be required to have some type of insurance or license? Because these guys, they go all on the sidewalk. Mm. Elderly people be walking. They go over you, under you, all over. What happens when they hit people? And they and that's, this has happened. I mean, they should be insured, required to have some type of insurance and license. Yeah, I actually, um, I actually um, believe that. I actually believe that um, some of there is some um, at least driver's license requirements, right? Uh, for these e-bikes, uh, I'm, I'm not able to tell you right this second, but the, the e-scooters, there should be a license. Uh, I can return to that at the end of the interview, Leonard, if you wish. I just want to sure. clarify what But we've are. all had that experience walking down the street and somebody isn't in the, you know, isn't in the street. It's on, uh, instead is on the sidewalk. 99% of the time it is a man, a male, uh, and... <laughs> Uh, I don't know why more women aren't riding them. But anyway, and uh, suddenly uh, I, I I have to jump out of the way. <laughs> it's scary. That is, that is correct. What I will say is that folks are looking to make a living, right? Um, and um, having visited other countries where there are no cars whatsoever, I've, I've gotten a taste as to what um, some New Yorkers wish for, which is really equal um equal space with cars right that it's not 90 percent cars mm. that it's really everyone having an equal space so i feel like there is some advocacy happening there for that type of um new york city urban living and now with uh, more uh, restaurants putting uh seating out in the, in the s- street that cuts down on where these guys can ride absolutely absolutely i mean they they will cut you know the, the police is not out there to enforce um, at, at every moment. So, I, you know, there's usually some kind of uh, splat, and then that's the end of that. Now, let's go back to some of the other uh, topics that you find online in regard to landlord-tenant matters. Complaints about repairs? In what way? That they're not getting them or the repairs are in- inadequate? Well, it's both. Most tenants will come to us and say mold, lack of heat, lack of hot water, and some landlords will actually go ahead and not um, and do shoddy repairs, right? That's part of either retaliation or some measure to um, some measure to evict the tenant, right? By doing shoddy repairs. Sometimes the shoddy repairs are done uh, intentionally to evict the tenant, and sometimes the landlord doesn't, unfortunately, doesn't have the funds or doesn't want to expend the funds, right? Or uh, I don't know. So I be, we can't tell the intention, but sometimes repairs are dragged out for a reason other than intentional wanting to intentionally wanting to evade the landlord. So tenants are often not satisfied with repairs that are done because unfortunately, let's say a tenant comes to us and say, I don't, I want a new refrigerator, right? My refrigerator is 40 years old. We've had hmm. tenants coming with 30, 40 year old refrigerators, right? Unfortunately, the law doesn't provide for the refrigerators to be new, it provides for a replacement, right? A suitable replacement, meaning the same dimensions, right? So tenants will argue that, hey, my refrigerator was 30 years old. Now I'm getting a 20-year-old refrigerator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was next door. So 
the law that provides that it should work. It doesn't provide that it should be new. Um, and that's, um, that really frustrates every, um, many tenants because sometimes the landlord will give another appliance, right? That is actually, you know, um, working, barely working. And that, um, meets, meets the criteria for working appliances. Well, rents can get pretty high in New York City. Are we seeing most of these things happen in, uh, in apartments that are fairly low rentals? Um, tell me what you mean about that. Well, uh, right now, I, I, I think that many people tell me they're amazed at how high rents have gone. Um, should I assume that if, if an apartment is, is uh, rather expensive, the landlord is less likely to, to be obnoxious in the way we've been discussing? Uh, is the landlord more? I think the <laughs> does it does the rent. In other words, does the rent level matter? If I'm paying three thousand dollars for a two bedroom, or I'm paying five thousand dollars for a two bedroom, or I'm paying twenty eight hundred, etc. Would would uh, one would that determine uh, in any way some of the things that we're discussing here? Absolutely. So if you're rent stabilized, i.e. under $2,700 a month, then you have massive protections under the law, including uh, limited increases over the years. If you're usually that's the threshold, we call it a deregulation threshold. If you're over that amount, then you're usually not rent stabilized. Does a landlord treat you better or are you likely to feel um, to feel um I don't know that your landlord will leave you alone. I guess if you are if you are paying higher rent, we have tenants whose rent are fifty, seventy thousand dollars a month, right? Wow. Who still experience heavy, heavy, heavy nonsense, right? So I'm not sure um, if the apartment is fifty k. You you know the landlord wow. may be able to get sixty k for it. Absolutely, absolutely. I tell people that every time. But yeah, we do have these tenants and. They are, I mean, they are here because they are experiencing issues even at that rental rate. You're listening to Let It Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. Gracia Pierre Outerbridge, founder and owner of the law firm Outerbridge Law PC, uh, which focuses on landlord-tenant litigation and transactional matters. She is a regular contributor to this show, and we invite your calls at 209-2877 if you'd like to call in. We also hope that you will consider uh, becoming a supporter of WBAI, and I'll talk more about that a little later in the show because uh, we have we also have to pay our rent here and right now <laughs> eh, we're finding it kind of difficult luckily we have a very nice landlord who um, <laughs> is rather indulgent because the landlord uh, I guess believes in what we're doing uh, should we take a call yes okay BAI you're on the air hey Leonard how are you thanks for taking my call of course um, I just want to say, you know, th- these bikes are great. Um, they really lighten up traffic in the city. 
Um, kind of gives the, the city a little bit more of a heartbeat on the street, kind of, with these guys zipping around. Uh, I think it's great. It's a renewable resource. Let's, uh, let's use it. Let's, let's burn less fuel. But, hey, Leonard, I'm having trouble finding a show from September 28th, one of your shows. I can't find it in the archives. Do you have any idea how I can get to that show? Well, we've had some problems uh, with podcasts, but we're correcting them. And uh, I don't know. Try again. Uh, okay. More and more will start showing up as we're able to put them back. Uh, there was some, uh, you know, there was some money problems with the people who provide podcasts, and I think it they've been ironed out. Oh, all right. Great. I'm going to look it up. I appreciate it. You do a great job. Thank you, Leonard. And what was that show on? It was actually, it was a great show. It was an environmentalist you had on, and someone had called in um, asking about all of the aluminum that is mm-hmm. being found in the soil. Uh-huh. And he, he didn't have an explanation for it, and he, he acknowledged that Monsanto makes an aluminum-resistant seed, which I'd known about, and I find it very interesting, and I think we need to be talking about it more. The show okay. was about plant, plant growth, I believe. Okay, well, Thanks. I hope Thanks, it Leonard. pops up again. Uh, let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, I'd like to make a comment here in terms of New York being a, a tenant-friendly state. I have a tenant that's been living in my home for some five years now, has paid rent three times. I've been unable to evict them. They've caused $62,000 worth of damage. Wow. They're supposed to be moving out, and they're not moving out. I had to remove a tub and a sink because of the flooding my whole home has been flooded with water because of their uh, because of this thing that they've done in that apartment. My ceilings are caving in. They've ruined my home, and they haven't paid rent. I'd like to know what I can do because I've gone to the courts and they've given they've they've been tenant friendly for the coalition for the homeless and everyone else who are advocates for tenants. But the landlords seem to suffer. They paid no rent during the entire duration of the the. Um, the pandemic as well as the moratorium. So I need to get some help and I need to get them out of my home because they've caused damage. And when they leave, what's going to happen to those costs that I have to incur? Altagracia, don't you also represent landlords? I do. I do. We represent few landlords, right? We're 90% tenant-based, but we do. Uh, In terms of what can happen, I'm hoping uh, that the caller is in the small property part, that the case that he has brought is in the small property part of his borough, the small property part was recently created to fast track the cases that are in small properties that have a heavier financial burden on the landlord. So I'm hoping that that's the case. If not, then he should try to have it transferred to the small property part and really advocate to the judge about the uh, what he is experiencing. Um, the next step is to really fast forward the case, fast track it to a trial date, right? So Ultimately, if you're not in the trial part, you need to be in the trial part where the decisions are made. Um, having your documents ready that you're the landlord, that rent is owed, that the lease has expired, that you're entitled to a judgment and warrant for that eviction. The only place you get to actually make that case, which gets you a warrant, is in the trial part. Um, ultimate, again, ultimately, you want to be in the trial part as fast as possible. In the meantime, some landlords negotiate for a waiver of rent for the for the uh, rent for the tenant to vacate. So do negotiate, um, right? Although it's hard, right, to waive the rent. Um, that is one thing that landlords do to induce the tenant to vacate faster, right? But if that's not working, then the trial part is your friend. Is the caller still there? 
Oh, okay. The call is gone. I hope that helps. Um, Alta Gracia, what about pet laws? Uh, are there lots of altercations over whether people keep pets or not or the kinds of pets that they keep? Yes. So we are enthralled in exactly um, one such a case, right? Um, usually folks have pets um, for a reason. A lot of the time it's because they have some type of a disability, right? Um, mental health issues that, you know, that they people, right, that they decided to get a pet. What are the pet laws? The basic of the pet laws is that if you have kept a even in a no pet building, if you have kept a pet open and notoriously for 90 days, right, meaning the landlord knows or should have known, i.e. the super saw it, the doorman saw it, and the landlord does not commence a case within those 90 days, guess what? You get to keep your pet. The landlord could then only, the landlord waives the right to enforce a no pet clause if you have kept your pet for 90 days or more in an open and notorious fashion. Well, some people just like to have a dog or a cat. Uh, Absolutely. But, but they can <laughs> cause damage as well, can't they? Well, that's what, what we say is that's what the security deposit is for, right? Uh, ultimately, folks come to us, if it's a no pet building, right, and some tenants will come to us and say, hey, well, the tenant still in the lease has their duty to maintain the property, right, in a decent shape, in good repair. So having your pet destroy the apartment is a violation of your lease, whether or not the pet is there, right, with a pet deposit and properly accepted by the landlord. Keeping your apartment in, in decent repair, not destroying it, is a part of your lease. That's a basic condition. Um, in terms of um, some tenants come to us and say, hey, I have a bulldog or I have this type of dog and I need it. I have a psychiatrist recommendation for it. I'm entitled to it as a um, as an accommodation for my disability. Uh, so these tenants are offered leases that say no pets. And that's when we come in and say um, this uh, disability accommodation should override and supersede your no pet clause. Right. So then that then supersedes a no pet clause and the landlord should does have to accept the pet if we assert a disability that requires a pet. So those leases that say no pets, tenants can actually negotiate against if they have a um, a need for the pet as an emotional support animal. Does a landlord have a valid complaint if the pet poops in the elevator? Yes, and we are dealing with that. Right, we deal with that. Yes, um, ultimately that would be you know consistent, consistently done, consistently done that way. Yes, that is a breach of your lease, right? You are interfering with the other tenants um, enjoy enjoying the property. So that is very different. That is different than um, not being able to have a pet or violating the pet clause. I would say it's it's really that you. It's as if you. Right. It's as if you did other things. Right. It's, it's similar to you breaching other clauses of your lease. Should we take another call? Yes. OK. B.A.I., you're on the air. Hi, it's Russ. Hi, Russ. By the way, uh, let me remind our listeners that our call in number is 212-209-2877. If you would like to speak to Alta Gracia. Go ahead, Russ. Hi, Ms. Altagrasse. I'm glad to hear you're sympathetic to people who have companion animals because they're very important. And I wonder... Well, I've been... loved my cats and dogs over the years. <laughs> okay, okay, Leonard, you, okay, got my, you, got my me- you got my message, Leonard. I think you're a little biased, but I'm talking <laughs> to Altagrasse. 
So I, I just wonder, I have to say, have you ever seen landlords who destroy entire apartment buildings to malicious neglect and destroy their tenants' lives? They rarely lose their buildings. But, Arthur Garcia, I have a specific question, and I'm glad you've represented landlords. Have you ever seen a landlord, in order to get a higher mortgage, inflate their property so that they can buy other buildings? Because if you haven't seen people prosecuted for this, do you think it's selective prosecution or enforcement to have the big guy, the big orange evil guy, being selected for enforcement by Attorney General? Do you think this is bias and election interference? Thank you. <laughs> Leonard, I'll let you take that one. No, 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 no. You're the expert. I'm just, I'm just a guy with the questions. I'm not. I'm not sure about. I'm not an election lawyer by any means, right? But um, there are bad landlords, right? There, the people do, right? We we deal with very bad illegal evictions, illegal lockout patterns, right? We have a case right now in Harlem where a barber shop was, you know, evicted illegally. Um, illegally locked out, very, very bad facts. Over the years, I've had people call again and say, the landlady just moved into my home and is using my towels, right? <laughs> um, oh, my. Um, yeah, um, looking to get me to get me to feel uncomfortable and leave. I, we have tenants whose, we've, I've had a tenant whose hand was slashed, right? Um, like physical violence. Um, I mean, people will do anything if they get to that point, I guess. But yes, um, especially during the pandemic when the courts were not really processing evictions due to the moratorium. There was a very big rise in violence. Um, and I want to make the distinction that some tenants will lease to other tenants called under tenants, and they then become the under tenants landlords. And during the pandemic, when folks were forced to live together and didn't have the outlet of going to work to avoid their roommates, their under tenant. Uh, we saw a big rise. That was a lot of the cases that we did, big rise in, in violence and bringing orders of protections, right, illegal lockouts, et cetera. So folks took the law in their own hands a lot during the pandemic to get rid of their tenants. How common are utility complaints, mostly in regard to hot water? Very, very, very common. And they'll come, they'll be, they become more common during the uh, winter months, but they are very, very common. I would say... Lack of heat, have lack of hot water, um, become the main complaints um, during the season. Uh, I've had a situation where uh, I turn on the hot water and it comes out cold, and maybe ten minutes later it's finally gotten hot. But um, mm -hmm. I've moved on with my life at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. I imagine that's a very, very common. Thing. But I've also had tenants, unfortunately. We had some tenants who ran the hot water, right, in small buildings, and, the you know, the landlord could not keep up um, in a retaliatory fashion. The landlord could not keep up with the amount of gallons of hot water it had. Um, so the rest of the building suffered. So, I mean, we hear the horrific stories from both sides. Uh, what uh, rights do people have when there's annoying repair work by the landlord at odd hours? Uh, so I've actually been subject to that in my own office. I think <laughs> Chase Bank was building a bank. Um, ultimately, calling 311, 311 uh, would, would usually send someone, excuse me, 311 will usually send an inspector to verify that the violation is happening after hours, and they would issue a violation, right? At that point, the building, the construction would either stop or continue, and you would continue complaining until 
until the landlord is finding of the construction, the construction site is fine enough that it stops, right? Um, there are also laws, tenant protection laws, um, making sure the tenant can also call and see if there is a, sometimes the construction is being done without proper permit. So if HPD or DOB comes, they usually issue a stop construction order. So those are some of the remedies the tenant has. If it continues, it may be a permanent, right? Uh, stopping the construction. Um, if the landlord is doing a work that has to, that creates dust, right? There are measures that have to be put in place so that the tenants are not inhaling, right? Um, dust or any uh, lead or anything else that is um, not good for their health. Um, often there is a sign, a notice that has been to be put at the bottom of, at the, um, in a conspicuous place in the building where the tenant knows who to call, where to call, who's doing the construction whether permits were issued, what the number, you know, um, all the information they need to actually complain about that work in the apartment. What happens if there's lack of enforcement of HPD complaints? Uh, if you I mean, if you call enough, HPD will get involved, right? Um, HPD, I mean, I've found HPD to actually really be on top of um, if the calls um, get, I mean, they also earn fines, right, from issuing these violations. So it actually helps the city. Um, what can tenants do if it's not being enforced? Tenants can bring a case in housing court called an HP action, right, wherein HPD is automatically no, named as a nominal party. HPD attorneys are in court, right, every single day in that part called the HP part. So, it, right, you will meet once you file that case, the HPD attorney is right there and they are a person. You can talk to them and tell them what the issue is, they usually spring to action. A reminder that if you'd like to speak to Alta Gracia, our phone number here is 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Can you recommend a test if um, people are concerned about dust and chemicals in their area? Well, um, I, I have had tenants do it. Um, usually, so I can't recommend you a person specifically, but there are certain environmental companies that will come and actually do, do a test. If you call HPD, they may actually do it if they want to see what's happening. There are various, or there, there are some people I recommend, but I wouldn't do it publicly, right? To actually do a mold or air test or some, um, of, or, or other tests. But Google, oh, I, I would recommend folks look at, um, let me just see. I'm trying to see what the name of this company is. But the short answer, um, Leonard, is that um, if you seek an, a hygienist, an environment, a person who is a hygienist, they usually are able to refer you to someone who could test the air. Now, what rights do people have if uh, they have questions about alterations that have been made to their unit? Um. If you, what do you, what do you mean? Well, okay, you had people, the, the landlord said, we have to fix this, we have to do that, They and then you just hate what has been done, or mm -hmm. it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So if it's shoddy repairs, then going to housing court and saying my repairs were, so calling HPD is always number one. I say to people, because then you actually make your case. Once HPD issues a violation that is considered, prima facie um, proof that the violation exists, that the condition has not been repaired. So I tell people it's really the most effective way 
Why? Because once the inspector finds that, you know, the paint is chipping or that the stove is still not working, then you, you know, tenants don't really have to make a case at all, like as much anymore because an agency has found an agency that is an expert at finding, um, at reviewing work, whether it's done or not, has found, right, that the work has not been done and going to housing court and asserting that the work has not been done with that type of proof really propels your case forward, right? In mm-hmm. terms of alterations, um, if it's an alteration, the landlord is not permitted to do alterations in your unit, That right? That is out of the norm, right? If it's repairs, absolutely. If it's an alteration, then you usually would have to give some type of written permission for it to be done, i.e. requested or agreed to it, right? Um, so that really shouldn't be done without your permission, any other alteration other than doing con- work on conditions you've reported. What about if annoying repair work is being done by the landlord at odd hours? Absolutely. We're, we're, so we, calling come home, we come home from work and we're relaxing dinner or watching TV and suddenly bang, bang, bang. Yeah, so calling 311 is, is really the first step. 311 will, will ask, right, where are you located? What is the address? And they will try to send somebody during those hours to actually witness it, and they will issue a construction violation, right? Um, I tell people to talk to their landlord first because, um, believe it or not, some landlords um, would just not do it once they get a complaint, right? So speaking to the landlord about um, the after-hours work, and if that doesn't work, right, sending a notice, I tell um, tenants to send notice pursuant to the terms of their lease, which is usually via certified mail, right, uh, with a courtesy copy via email, right? And if that doesn't work and you're not getting any dialogue, then calling 311, HPD will actually come out and look to see whether there is construction work after hours. Are landlords required to assist a tenant with an issue with a neighbor, like noise, inappropriate behavior, et cetera? Oh, my. That, that is a great question. So, um, yes and yes. Yes, to the extent that it disturbs um, the enjoyability of the apartment, right, then yes. What landlords will most likely do is try not to get involved, Right. Uh, I found I found that landlords either try not to get involved, saying this is a personal issue, right? You guys have to work it out. I don't know who did what. I'm just not going to get involved. Some landlords will get involved and blame one side and say, "I'm I, you are the one making the noise," right? Mm-hmm. That's very rare, at least in my practice. Um, some landlords will go as far as suing the party they think is is the wrong the wrongdoer. Right and bring a case against them in housing court. Um, it could be the complainer in- or the or the uh, the person responsible for the the problem. Correct. So sometimes a tenant will come to us and say, "My neighbor's making noise," and then the landlord turns against the complainer, mm-hmm. right, and says, "You are the nuisance. You are yeah, the one that's you're being a pain." Creating. Correct. Right. You're the one costing me money. You're the one clogging up my business line with these complaints. Right. Often. When the person complains about noise, one of the usual responses is, this is New York City, get used to it, right? That's what we get in. That's that's when tenants come to us and say, I know it's New York City, but it gives me anxiety, right? I know it's New York City, but uh, that's still not normal, right, to get... um. So sometimes, right, we get creative, right? And, um, and if they have a disability, that becomes the basis that based on that disability, the landlord should really um, get involved. 
Alta Gracia, we're pretty much out of time, but how can people get in touch with you if they have a problem and they, and it's between your visits to our show? <laughs> sure. My email is easy. Well, the phone number is easy. It's 877-OUTERBRIDGE. Uh, our website is outerbridgelaw.com. We have a second website called Tenant Rights, Tenant with no S, tenantrightsattorneys.com, and that's where you can find us. And my great thanks to Alta Gracia Pierre Outerbridge who is the founder and owner of the law firm Outerbridge Law PC, uh, with a practice that's focused on landlord-tenant litigation and transactional matters. And um, Alta Gracia, we'll see you again soon, I hope. Thank you so much, Lennon. Always a pleasure. And that brings us to the end of our show. If you'd like to reach me directly, my email address is leonardlopate at wbai.org. But right now, I have to ask you to consider stepping up and supporting BAI as we struggle to stay afloat during these difficult times and to pay our rent and to pay for our tower and things like that. We're asking all of our listeners who haven't taken that step already to make a tax-deductible contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 212-209-2950 right now to keep the unique in-depth content we bring you on the show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. That's give and the number 2 WBAI.org or 212-209-2950. And you might also consider becoming a sustaining member, what we call a BAI buddy for Five dollars, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars a month, whatever's comfortable for you for as long as you wish. It allows us to plan for the future, and uh, we're very grateful for that. And uh, as a result, we're offering a BAI tote bag to everyone who signs up to become a BAI buddy for ten dollars a month or more. But either way, I hope you'll call right now because BAI relies 100% on listener donations. We don't take ads or foundation grants, which allows us to be completely free speech radio. And if Leonard Lopez at large is part of your daily routine, why not keep it going for someone who's just discovering it? You can do that by calling 212-209-2950 or by going online to give to WBAI.org to help support independent radio. Don't forget to make that tax-deductible contribution in the name of London Lopez at large. And from all of us at the station, we thank you very much. Uh, we are the uh, only station on the New York dial that is 100% listener-supported. We're off tomorrow, but I hope you can join us again on Friday. See you then.